We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to this Mitchell Trubisky coming out party rendition of the Moose and Roots podcast. We'll talk all things Bears, all things Mitch. Uh, we've obviously got some other topics to hit today. Cubs, playoff bound, and uh, Blackhawks about to start back up. So a great time to be a sports fan in Chicago. One of the best Chicago sports fans I know. Joining me now, Matt Rooney. How we doing today, bud? Dude, does this mean I get more than one minute to talk hockey from um, you know from podcast going forward? We've from here on out? we've we've slugged you in for for like a minute thirty. So okay, so, I usually go a minute know. thirty anyway, so we'll bump it up to two then. That's like two. Yeah, we'll, we'll keep that. it tight. I, I'm now I'm now producing with your uh, long windedness in mind. You know, that's, that's I like just, that. That's, that's just, honestly, Joe. That's forward thinking. That's um, pro- I know you haven't done much production. You're more of the the talent side, but us on the production side, hey, you have to account to the, account for that. You, so I'm you glad to, you're finally kind of realizing that that you actually have to account for real time. First of all, for. first of all, I was I was an uh, associate producer when you were still uh, slugging beers at Illinois Wesleyan. And <laughs> second of all, here in Market 104, we get our hands on everything. So I have the mind of a producer. My people friend. forget I was a producer while I was slugging beers at Illinois Wesleyan. So that's fair. People but don't forget you start- that. Don't you start throwing pot shots 35 seconds into the podcast, pal. Joe, let's not forget who gave you your start in this business, okay? <laughs> All right, Matt. Well, obviously, plenty to talk about today. The time is now. Mitch Trubisky announced as the Chicago Bears starting quarterback here for week uh, five. Five. It's going to be five. week five, Monday night football. It's a long, uh, a long week of preparation. You can really get him up to speed on the Vikings and um, – I think that's 10 full days of preparation he's going to have from the Thursday night game to Monday. Matt, I don't want to call myself Nostradamus here, but uh, I said this was how it was going to go prior to the season. You were going to get this long way off here after a drubbing from the Packers, and, and he was going to kind of take the reins going into going into the Vikings. Not to say that it took a genius to see that, but um, it has come to fruition here. Mitch Trubisky, the starter. No, you took a you took a nice educated guess. I think at the beginning of the season, after seeing what uh, what Glennon had kind of done in the preseason, which was you know next to nothing, mm-hmm. and then really after that Tampa game, I think that's this is when kind of the narrative started to begin that this is probably when we're gonna maybe not when we're gonna do it, but the likely spot for for Trubisky to come in, not be rushed or anything, have all that time to prepare, and I. A lot's been said about it already. I think I'm just excited to see what he can do Monday night against a, a slowed down Vikings team. You know, an offense he probably isn't going to have to go, you know, touchdown for touchdown, drive for drive with, you know, with Case Keenum at the helm there. So I'm excited. I think this is a good spot for him. It's not like I was saying a quarterback he's going to have to go and really get into a shootout with. Uh, yeah. so I think it's a really good spot with him, especially with the 10 days or whatever it is to prepare. But I don't yeah. think this should come as a surprise to anybody. I think. It, Thursday night at halftime, I think just about everybody knew this was going to be it, if not sooner. I thought there was a chance we might see him in the yeah, fourth quarter that Thursday night. And it's good because this whole the the whole premise of you know the rookie quarterback struggling. We've seen some guys have success already this year. Last year you had Dak Prescott. This year you got Deshaun Watson. So I don't know if that 
sit him and wait is a thing of the past, and these quarterbacks are really getting up to speed quicker. I think it's a case-to-case basis, and we're going to see what we're going to see out of Mitch Trubisky. Hopefully it is of the Dak Prescott, of the Deshaun Watson sort of sample size. But again, with everything that this Bears team does this year because of what they have, because the product they're putting on field, because of the talent they have on the roster – temper expectations. We have to be realistic about our expectations with Mitch Trubisky or it's going to be sad for us and unproductive for him because I think he has all of the tools, but until you have the pieces around you to you know, put your tools on display, we're not going to see the full extent of Mitch Trubisky on Monday night. We have to be realistic about that. No, I'm totally with you, and I think you brought up Prescott and, and Watson. I think this is much more of a Jared Goff type situation where I think okay. You're coming in, Trubisky, what, started 13 games all at college, obviously. He was was ob- always just, uh, he wasn't under center. He was a shotgun quarterback, much like Goff was. He's coming into a uh, defensive-minded head coaching scheme with that, maybe not maybe the greatest of offensive coordinators or the most proven of offensive coordinators. This this just seems a lot like last year's wa- Jared Goff walking into Jeff Fisher's uh, system, whatever you want to call it, and I, I, I don't think we're going to see the immediate dividends. I think you'll see flashes early on, but you also see some growing pains. Mm-hmm. I, I think hopefully next year, when you kind of he's got this experience, you get maybe a head coach or a coaching system that is a little bit more you know young quarterback, rookie quarterback friendly, developmentally friendly for for Mitch. I think you're going to see more of that start to pay off. That combined with the experience, I mean, you got Deshaun Watson who started what 38 games in college, played in two yeah. national championship games. Dak Prescott, I think, started three years at Mississippi State. So you got those are two guys who were More playing ready. big time football while they weren't playing yeah. necessarily the talent they were going to see in the NFL. They were playing in the atmosphere, the, the big time feel to a game that you get in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, Deshaun Watson's played played bigger games in college than he ever has in the NFL yet. In those two national yeah. championship games, ACC championship games. So I think we got to temper expectations for Trubisky. We're going to see some good things. But there's still going to be some growing pains, and it, like Chicago fans and most fans <laughs> across the country, we're going to panic early, and, and hopefully people just give this kid some time to develop and, and get over those early interceptions that he's going to throw because they're going to come. You know, while it's a different sport and the, the development takes different amounts of time, I think it's very similar to what's going on with the White Sox right now. You, you want to watch these guys, and you want to you wanted to see them take steps personally in the right direction but you can't expect it to affect the total product with any sort of regularity you know so we want to see Mitch Trubisky take positive steps in the right direction I think is the main thing and you know if if nothing else it's something to get excited about because this Bears team aside from the Pittsburgh game it it hasn't been the most exciting or compelling product to watch I, I don't even want to touch upon the Packers game last week because it was it was an embarrassment. It, it was it was terrible. Well, we're going to have to get to that a little bit because I do think it, there are, are some things we're yeah, going to have to talk we, about. I what agree can we you. talk about? I'm not what any, can we I, talk I, there, about? There's some things I want to go on with beyond the quarterback play. Obviously, that was... The only thing that I saw is a team that had a whole lot of quit in it. And, and that, I know that, that's... That, well, that, well, honestly, that's kind of what I wanted to cover. I thought the defensive yeah. line, especially the front seven, only two sacks against that beat-up offensive line when we're, we're being told how good Leonard Floyd is, which we've seen how good he can be. Pernell McPhee looks healthy enough. He had one sack, but, I mean, that's about it. They, they really didn't get to Rodgers much at all. He had all day back there to throw with third-string tackles and I think uh, yeah. a backup guard in there as well. They were down to their third-string running back, who they probably just signed off the street a couple weeks ago. I just I, I thought defensively, and they were, they were put into some awful situations. I'm not going to 
be that upset with the secondary because, like we said, they're the offense turned the ball over. Seemed like yeah. every other possession, they they were given short fields, and I thought the secondary did a decent job containing Aaron Rodgers enough. But for the most part, that that, that front seven really it's, didn't do their part in stopping what should have been a non-existent run game and getting to Aaron Rodgers because that's how they're going to win that game, and they couldn't do it. I think that one of Aaron Rodgers, we always talk about his physical talent and his physical traits and and what he can do with his body and his arm angle and how far he can throw the ball. But one of the things that isn't talked about is his ability to win with a depleted roster. He, he's done it year Happens after every year. year. Every last year. year. Last year he's in the conference championship game, missing his number one target, missing half of his line. It, he's, his it doesn't will, matter who they throw his, out there for. His will to win and his ability to make everyone around him better, I think, is his most valuable characteristic and the one that's talked about the least. He is... I, I know we're we're kind of in the twilight years of the Brady era, and we're talking about him as one of the greatest of all time. But Aaron Rodgers, in my eyes, is in that conversation already, and I think Aaron Rodgers has uh, a few more years left in him of top level football. That hurts for me to say because we have to watch him gut the Bears game after game. But hopefully, our guy can come here and uh, and maybe send Aaron Rodgers on his way in this rivalry matchup over the next few years. It'll be interesting to see with Rodgers because he does, I mean, he obviously has the elite arm talent. He's as smart as anybody. He's got great pocket presence, but part of what makes when does, him so when good is that. When does that fall off? That, 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 that's, what, what, that's what I'm getting at. Part of that what makes yeah. him so good is that mobility in the pocket. Yeah. And while, I mean, like you said, at least three, four years, I think he's got that. But it'll be interesting to see for me, at least when that starts to go, how much everything else starts to go with yeah, him. It, it might because be. Because his ability to extend the play and you know, keep it alive in, mm-hmm. in the midst of pressure, avoiding sacks here and there, rolling out and, and throwing a strike to Jordy Nelson for a touchdown. That that's what makes him so good. But once he loses that ability, yeah, it'll it could be, be a lot to more. See if that's why it, guys like Brady and Manning were able to be yeah. so good for so long. Brady's got Just the best style pocket of play, the world, but yeah. he doesn't. You know, he uses that in the pocket. He stays in the pocket, rarely ever gets out and rolls around. So that, that think- that'll be interesting to see with Rodgers. Just got to get him on a healthy diet of flaxseed and granola, and he could play until 2025. Well, let's not tell him that. I'd rather him not <laughs> play until 2025 because it's getting depressing to watch. Yeah. Well, Matt, let's let's turn it back here to, to the Bears, a little bit more Bears-centric. Trubisky, uh, I'm going to hit us with a bonus buyer sell early on in the sure. podcast here. You know I Matt, love that. Buyer sell, the Bears go above 500 rest of the season with Mitch Trubisky as a starting quarterback. Well, give me give me a second here. Let me pull up this schedule. Yeah, take a look I, at the I, schedule. I want to take a look and see what we got here. I th- yeah, Vikings, Ravens, Panthers are the next three. Those are all tough games. All three are winnable. I, I think mm-hmm. you hope he kind of Ravens are kind of in fits a little bit. Yeah, but they, the road game in the NFL for a rookie in a place like that—that's a tough game. I mean, the, the the hardest hardest parts of their schedule are out of the way, and they do have some some winnable games down towards the end. I think Fort San Francisco at Cincy. They play Cleveland. I think if you hope for five hundred, I think that's that's a reasonable goal. So I think I'm going to buy just okay. out of out of optimism because I, I still think this team, when they show up and when they don't quit, um, is better than what they've shown in their two losses or the the two embarrassing losses this year. I think they're more of the team, especially with the, maybe the confidence boost they'll get in having a quarterback like this. Now um, mm-hmm. I, I think we'll see more of that team we saw against Pittsburgh, more of that team we saw against Atlanta. Um, so I'm I'm going to buy I think out of out of optimism that the team kind of rallies around this quarterback change. Beautiful, and I'm just looking at it now, Matt. Do you know who the last rookie starting quarterback was for the Chicago Bears? Uh, it was Rex Grossman. Um, it was not. It was Jimmy Clausen in 2010. Got a couple starts um, as a rookie. And Jim, anytime Jimmy anytime, Clausen was a rookie of Carolina. 
anytime Jimmy Clausen was. Oh, okay, yeah, he was, but he was with Fox then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's quarterbacks. Weird. Oh, so you quarterbacks. know, I, I misunderstood. I, I, I was thinking, I thought you meant like first round draft pick quarterback. That's my gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but Fox does not have a great, um, a great track record with rookie quarterbacks. Needless to say, um, no. But but not many coaches do. So we will see um, how, how the Mitch Trubisky experiment goes. I, I don't think we can expect them to be a cure all. But um, as we said. Something exciting to watch for Bears fans. At least keep us, uh, at least keep us locked in for the next few weeks. Yeah, and I, honestly, I think it was important for the team to keep the team locked in because they see these guys in practice every day. And yeah. if Trubisky is going out there and practicing well, and, and the team starts to believe that Mitch is better, which I do th- start think started to happen over the last couple weeks. Yeah, you can't have keep to. trotting out Mike Glennon while yeah. not. If you're going to sit Trubisky for the year, just make him third string and inactive. But if you keep trotting him out there as a backup, saying he, you're saying he's ready to play, you're just stubborn and want to play Mike Glenn, I think you risk losing the football team. And yeah. honestly, I think that's what happened a little bit on Thursday night. I think they saw you know the god-awful strip sack on the first play where he just didn't move in the pocket at all whatsoever. Uh, that the, the snap go off his foot, the two terrible interceptions. I, I think the team just kind of gave up on the quarterback, not necessarily the game. Because you got to think, Matt, you got a good – amount of guys, a handful of guys on the Bears roster who are in the last year of their contract and thinking to themselves, if I'm going to be here, I want to play with the guy that I'm going to play with. I want the best chance to win right now. I want the best chance to showcase my talents right now. And if you're not going to put me in the position to do that, then why am I here? You know, you get a lot of internal strife when you're not putting the best players on the field. I do like how they approach this. I like not starting them day one, maybe giving them a little time off and... If you have a starting quarterback, like let's say the Kansas City Chiefs where Mahomes is sitting and waiting, but you have an Alex Smith, it's a completely different yeah, conversation. Yeah, completely different situation. It, it's a completely different um, reality for them because you have a quarterback that's been your quarterback. This was this was a product of mismanagement. I mean, this could have been done with Brian Hoyer. This could have been done with Matt Barkley. This could have been done with anyone else. You could have gone one in three. I, I really I really think that. But let's not backtrack seven podcasts ago and get me all riled up. But this is this is where we find ourselves as Bears fans. No, I agree. And if you ask Ryan Pace right now, I mean if not in the meeting, you know, in, in his office, just the two, he'd probably tell you, yeah, I made a mistake there with the Mike Lennon thing. But at the time it seemed like the right move even if they didn't would I don't want to get back into that. But I, I do agree. Yeah. They, if he could do it all over again, I would bet he would, you know, Provided Brian Hoyer wanted to sign Ryan, Brian Hoyer to a one-year, $3 million deal or whatever the hell San Francisco signed him to and just keep him here. But it's not what happened. It's it's an expensive mistake, but it's one that fortunately is just a financially expensive mistake. doesn't really hurt the Bears long-term uh, yeah. in, in, in too much. No, no, it does not, Matt. And uh, it, it's October football, so we start to find out who these teams really are. Hopefully we see who the Bears can become. Oh, you know, I, I got one more question for you before we move on from that game because there was one more issue I had. Why, why is Tariq Cohen only touching the ball ten times? Yeah, I don't understand. Why is Benny there? Cunningham getting as many carries as Tariq Cohen? I, I don't understand. I don't get it. Because you really have seen his top-end ability in, in the overtime, what should have been the game-winning touchdown – his stop and go. He's a guy who's already proven in this short sample size that he has the ability to change a game when he touches the ball. He can score whenever the ball is in his hands. If you get him a little bit of space, he's going to make something happen. And for him, like you said, to have the same amount of touches as a Benning Cunningham, that's that's just 
poor coaching, a misusage of talent. Which, no, he, which, he had as many targets in the passing game as Jordan Howard. And I love Jordan Howard. I think he's a very good running back. He's Jordan Howard's got in the receiving game. He, he's yeah. not. He's not a receiving back, and that's okay. But that's why they have Tariq Cohen. Why is Jordan Howard? Why is Jordan Howard in the game in the fourth quarter getting carries when yeah, he's you know playing with shoulder. one shoulder? But yeah. And and the other thing, Tariq Cohen in week one, uh, we were told he wasn't on the field for you know first and goal through four for only one of those plays uh, in the first mm-hmm. and goal against the Falcons because he's a liability in the passing game. You know, not really experienced in blocking all that stuff. If you watch that touchdown pass at the end of the first half, Tariq Cohen makes a great blitz pickup on a linebacker to to save that touchdown and prevent Glennon from getting sacked, allowing the throw. Yeah. So that, that's uh, another reason. I just that I'm I'm starting to get a little bit. I used to be, you know, defending this coaching staff, and there, there's some things that are starting to irk me, and that's that's definitely one of them. The other one is why yeah. Josh Bellamy is still on this team. I, that that I'll never Miss, understand. Mismanagement is inexcusable. I don't care if you have all pros or rookies. Mismanagement is not something that can happen because it's just going to move you in the wrong direction. You had one more for me. I got one more for you, Matt. Um, what did it. you think? Of, what did you think of the, the suspension of uh, Danny Trevathan? Did you think the two games were warranted? You know, I thought a suspension was warranted. I don't know if two games is right or wrong. I'd have to. I thought you know, he was going to get a game. Personally, I'd have to honestly. I'd have to look back on other hits. Similarly, I didn't really do that much research. See who got suspended. What all that? I, I do think a suspension was warranted. I don't necessarily think <clears throat> the intent to injure no. was there. I do think he was just rallying to the ball, trying to make a play. Um, that said. He did lower the crown of his helmet, and he did put it right in Devontae Adams' face mask when pretty yeah, much the he, entire body was exposed there. He could have gone for the ribs. He could have put his face mask right in his ribs, and I think it would have been equally as big of a hit, but Adams wouldn't have been carried off on a stretcher. So I, I know it's tough to think in the, you know, in, the, in a split second like that to mm-hmm. not let instinct take over, and that's just what you know, playing football for, I'm sure, is Danny Trevathan's probably been playing it for 10, 15 years, whatever the hell it is. Um, it, it's hard to overcome that instinct and not let it take over but at the same time you're still liable for your actions and he did lower the helmet and he did lower it you know make contact right in the face mask when there was plenty of spots to not yeah that's that's the only thing that's the only thing i didn't like about it was the crown of the helmet because you have to learn how to get that out of the game because i don't care like you said if you hit him in the stomach with the crown of your helmet you're you're talking about broken ribs you can't weaponize the helmet and i i really thought that Trevathan, like you said, was rallying to the ball. He was playing football. If you play that, if you play that play through at full speed, that's a guy coming in and trying to finish yeah. a play because the whistle hadn't blown yet. But you have to, like you said, be held accountable for, for what you do on the football field. Two games, I think, is a little steep for a guy rallying to the ball and, and using the crown of his helmet, but a vicious hit nonetheless. Never assume intention. Like you said, you can't. You can't assume no, intention. No, I don't think Danny other Trevathan than, went and tried other to than you know, a, said, I'm going to hurt Devontae. No, yeah. other than a situation of Indomitian Sue stomping on someone or something as blatant as that. Yeah. Within within the, the whistles and the confines of the game, I don't think you can ever uh, label something as malicious or having malintent, uh, at I'm least totally in my eyes. And I think part of this might be, you know, this was the first example of a hit like this this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the NFL just probably want to make a little bit of an example. You know, don't do this. Don't lower the crown. Nothing, nothing yeah. like that. We we can't have this, and this is what we're trying to get out of the game. And it is. That is something they absolutely need to get out of the game, not only for the safety of Devontae Adams, but for the safety of Danny Trevathan. You lower yeah. the crown, you get your helmet, lead with it, and you know you hit the wrong way. You're going to break your neck. Oh, he's going to be see, the one going off on the You see a lot of guys. A lot. You see a lot of guys go in low at someone, 
take a knee to the top of the head and yeah. you're asleep on the field just as easy as Devontae Adams could have been. So, so the, like the, you said, this is, is a very, suspension is just as much for pr the protection yeah. of Trevathan and those who tackle with the crown of their helmet as, 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 as it is for Devontae Adams. As if the Bears needed any more depletion. Uh, two games for Danny Trevathan. <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, we got let, John, John Timu and, and somebody else playing middle yeah, linebacker. I'll actually. take your word for it on this one, Matt. <laughs> uh, but plenty more to talk about here, Matt. It is October in Chicago, which just a few years ago meant nothing other than pumpkin spice lattes and sweaters. Now it means playoff baseball. Chicago Cubs gearing up for the divisional series with the Washington Nationals. You play great in the second half. You win the division. You become the first team to win the division, I believe, since 2009 following a World Series win. First team to make it to the playoffs since 2014 following a World Series win. Just some some really big, uh, as we called them in the past, check box, the boxes checked off here for the Cubs. Some awesome things happening in sequence. Momentum just building and you get a, you get a really good team. You're, you, you're going to have to face and beat a really good team in the Washington Nationals, but I guess that's that's playoff baseball. Yeah, uh, it, it's going to be a real interesting NLDS. I think it's, of, of the whatever, four teams, I think it's probably the best matchup for the Cubs because they have the, their, their two best players in that Nationals lineup are both left-handed, and the Cubs do have some, some solid left-handed starting pitching mm -hmm. there in, in Quintana and Lester. But I, I, I'm still, if Jake Arrieta isn't healthy and it doesn't seem like he's fully healthy, I'm a little bit worried about how that Cubs rotation can stack up with the net. Now, if Scherzer's not totally healthy either, I, I think that is probably null and void, and we're, we're back to square one. But if Scherzer's not, if Scherzer's healthy, like it seems like they're the Nationals, at least trying to say, he is an area is not with that hamstring, I think they're in a lot of trouble. Mm -hmm. I, I think so too. And uh, one interesting storyline here: uh, Paul Sullivan did a write-up in the Trib. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Um, you get the Dustin Trib out in Nebraska. I, you know, the internet's a beautiful thing, Matt. They no. they up they update it daily. It, it's good stuff. No, I like um, the like the hard copy. Get the ink on my fingers. <laughs> that's not an option here. We get the uh, the Lincoln Journal Star every every morning. Here. Oh, um, but uh, some talented writers over there as well. I digress. But you got you got Dusty Baker for five games uh, or maybe three, somewhere between the two. But you got Dusty Baker, and that's that's still there's still some bad blood there is what I, I'm to understand and. This is personal for Dusty. Yeah, this would be uh, this would be as sweet of a playoff series win for Dusty as there could possibly be besides winning a World Series. Yeah, I think that it, even though it happened all those years ago, I think there's no doubt. I mean, you, you played sports no matter how long you've gone without playing. You know, one of your rivals when you play someone like that, play someone who scorned you. I think you always want to get the uh, get the better there's of that team. A little I don't think, bit extra there. Yeah. Uh, I think Dusty wants this one bad, and I, I would imagine the Nationals players probably know he wants this one pretty bad. Okay, uh, Matt, Matt, I, I got to get a prediction from you here. NLDS, who and in how many? I, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to say the Nationals in four. Um, wow. I, I, I think they're going to win those two at home. I think the Cubs probably come back and get the first one at Wrigley. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just, I, I think the Nationals end up pulling this one off. I, I think their bullpen they've addressed for the most part. If Scherzer's healthy, that one, two, three with with Scherzer, Strasburg, and Geo is as good as any in baseball. And I, there's just the Cubs have been so up and down, and so many people in and out of that lineup, so inconsistent. It's it's tough to see how, and not not tough to see how they can pull together. But I just it, 
I just I have a weird feeling about this one for them. I just it seems like it's not quite their year, like it hasn't been all year. And I think you're going to see that in the playoffs. If they win the series, I won't be surprised. If they go all the way, I won't be surprised. But I think the Nationals are going to win this one. I uh, I myself am going to say Cubs and in four as well. I just in these types of situations, I bet the hot hand, ride the hot sure. hand, and the Cubs in the last month of baseball, I think lost uh, just a handful of games. I want to say five or six games in the last 20, 25 games. So uh, they're, they're a team that is uh, in the midst of winning. It's kind of, it, it's what the, it's what their reality is right now. It's what their speed is right now. They've gotten used to winning. And I think that this is the most complete Cubs team in terms of injuries and lack thereof. And, and I really think that, if you can get these bats going, and that's always sparked by the bat of Anthony Rizzo, if you can get Rizzo to, you know, get the RBIs rolling a little bit, then that bleeds over into everyone. And you know, I know the Cubs roster a lot better than I know the Nationals roster, so the Nationals could have that that same sort of uh, contagiousness in their roster. But I really think the Cubs, as defending World Series champions with most of that roster still intact, they're going to be a tough out for anyone in in these playoffs. I don't disagree with you. They're not going to, if they go down, which I'm not saying they will, they they will not go down without a fight. Uh, um, it, it, this one's just, it's going to come down to health, I think, for the most part. Yeah. Scherzer, Arietta, and, and Bryce Harper to an extent, too. It's just, I, I think it comes down to the health of those three guys. I, I know you, uh, you get to talk with them every once in a while over at, at Comcast. Uh, can you gauge the confidence level of friend oh, of the Cap, podcast, Cap's Dave been, Kaplan? Cap's never been more confident ever. I think if you ask him, <laughs> they're going to go whatever eleven and zero and, and sweep every series here, win the World Series, and once they lose a game, he'll you know one pitch, one batter, one out at a time, all that stuff. He's 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 so he's got a one hundred and two degree Cubs fever. Let's just put it that. That's that's well put, Matt. Yeah. And I think uh, I think that um, that's going around in Chicago these days, and just a little bit. It's funny how, you know, expectation is a theme that we touch on a lot here, but it's funny how, you know, a championship will change expectation overnight. And I think that the Cubs fans, with all due reason, have very high expectations of their ball club. Yeah, rightfully so. All right, Matter. Well, let's keep it moving here. We're going to move right into your wheelhouse. Ooh. I believe Thursday night. Thursday is night. Opener against opening. the Penguins. You don't even have to finish the topic, yeah. Joe. I know you, where you're you going. Just you just take it. You just take it. You can you team no, it I wanted to, you know, a lot has been going on in Chicago sports, and maybe the Blackhawks are not getting the uh, the headlines or the fair, uh, the fair time in the rundown. But if you can get us up to speed here, Matt, in the first month of the season, what should we be looking for out of this Blackhawks team? Uh, I, I think the what you're going to be looking for is there are two people to watch, I guess I'll give you, is going to be Alex DeBrinkett, the, uh, the young 5'7 kid out of the Erie Otters uh, junior team. He played with, the Connor, Otters. played with Connor McDavid and Dylan Strom, so those are two pretty big names. You definitely mm-hmm. know Connor McDavid. Um, and, and he scored up there, put up point totals equal with them in juniors. Um, but he, he made the team out of camp, which was a little bit of a surprise. I think everyone we've talked to, and we had uh, Dave Poulin on the podcast, he said he's going to be a great player, but probably play at least a year in Rockford. But uh, looks like he's going to start the year on that third line with Artem Anisimov and uh, Patrick Sharp. I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think you're going to have to temper expectations a little bit like all these young guys, but he's also the first Hawks forward to make, a, make the team out of junior since Brandon Saad. And the one, so before, that, the one before that was Patrick Kane. So definitely see something there. Temper expectations, but at the same time, like it, it, that's how difficult this is to do. 
Um, and then another guy is Connor Murphy, uh, the kid they brought over from Arizona in the, in the Jalmerson trade. I think he's going to be the, the key to their defense this year in, in terms of whether or not they're going to be able to contend to win that central division and go to the playoffs or not. If he's if he plays to a top-pairing level and, and Duncan Keith is healthy on that left side of him, I think that's that's obviously huge for the Blackhawks, and I think you're going to see them succeed in that central division. But if he's not what they thought they were or there's an adjustment period with him and, and those two get used to each other, it could be... A, a battle for a playoff spot for this Blackhawks team, but I think he's probably the key guy to watch on defense. Yeah, I really think that that's going to be where my eyes are, are is on those defensive pairings, what Q's doing, and how they are moving on in the absence of a Nicholas Jalmerson, because Jalmerson was the guy who always felt like he was new. I, I don't know if, because how many, how many years did Jalmerson play with the Hawks? Seven? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, like seven I think in, seasons? In 09, uh, like 09, I think he came here. Maybe so seven, yeah. seven or eight seasons with the Blackhawks, and it always felt like it was his second year. It always felt like he could be paired with anyone, mixed with anyone, and he was this new, fresh talent. He always kept it fresh, and you knew you could rely on him. But now, with him gone and having a question mark in those D pairings, it becomes a lot more... Um, I don't know, a lot more tumultuous. It becomes, I think that we're going to see a mix-up every once in a while because you don't have that stalwart. You don't have that every-night guy in Jalmerson. I think you will, too, and even more so uh, than in the past. But even in the past with Jalmerson around, you saw Q mixing up deep pairings, different guys playing with different guys all the time. That's just kind of what he does. And these lines that we're seeing now for the forwards, too, they're they're starting this way. They might end this way, but there's going to be a lot of – turnover you know in the middle um mm-hmm. and he, he did mention Jalmerson the last few you know I pretty much every year seemed like he was that that young fresh guy who, who was just kind of the stalwart no matter where he was in the lineup but I think last year is when they start saw excuse me started to see that taper off a little bit yeah and you see a little bit slowing of down his possession yeah. numbers started to go down and those types of guys I've said it on the podcast before those guys who who rely on not necessarily their speed, but their their, their stay at home ability, shot blocking, you know, their defensive prowess. Those, those tend to be a steeper decline, mm-hmm. and I think they saw the ability to sell high on him before it got to be a little bit past that point. Like maybe it is with Brent Seabrook. Not the Brent Seabrook. I, I I like Brent Seabrook a lot. I still think he's got a lot of good years of hockey left in him. Whether he's worth that contract or not is a debate for a different time. But I think that might be a little bit of mirroring what they saw and said, "Hey, we can probably get rid of this guy a little bit early." Yeah. Well, we're taking a risk bringing a younger guy who, who's got some upside who maybe can be here for 10 more years instead of two. Yep, and I think that was a necessary move. Uh, Matt, looking at the schedule here, it's no cakewalk out of the gate. In the first two weeks, you got St. Louis, Nashville, Minnesota, Montreal, Columbus, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. Yeah, so, I think I saw first 10 are all so against playoff teams from last year. Toronto aside, I think that um, you know there's, there's going to be a lot of tough games in there, and it's trial by fire for the Blackhawks, kind of a new Blackhawks team all built around this same core. To talk a little bit about the core and the aging of the core, you touched upon it with Seabrook. I think that this is a chip-on-the-shoulder year for Patrick Kane. I think that last year um, he had a great season and the numbers were there, but coming off of an MVP season, the the talk, the buzz about Patrick Kane kind of fell off. And I think Patrick Kane's a guy who who hears all of that buzz and loves all of that buzz. And I think that we're going to have a Patrick Kane of old. I think we're going to have a guy playing, like I said, with a chip on his shoulder, almost with something to prove again. I I kind of agree with you. And Patrick Kane, while he's never going to be one of those guys to admit it or talk about it much more in the media, he hears it. Say much in the media more than just, you know, 
what he's been coached on to say and just kind of the generic yeah. stuff. He he no doubt hears about this and you can see sometimes in his his celebrations and some of these bigger goals or in certain situations, he definitely hears all that kind of stuff and yeah. he definitely wants to to prove some people wrong. So I, I think yeah. you're right. And I think he's going to be right up there in the thick of the scoring race and the MVP race again. And I think he's the got more, the line mates to do it again this year. Yeah. Um, obviously yeah. lost Panarin, which was which was tough. But I, I've said in the past, with Brad Richards and Christopher Stieg, he was on an MVP pace. You know, as, yeah. as his two line mates. But he's got two new ones this year. I think that actually, well, they're two different ones from the guys he's played with the last two years. But it's the same style of line he's got. In, instead of Artem Anisimov centering, he's got Nick Schmaltz, which is somewhat of a Panarin-type mm-hmm. offensive-minded play. Not uh, in the offensive zone, he's much more of a, he's a lot of a Panarin type. He's creative. He, he's uh, he's quick. He's got great vision. Hey. He, he's a good passer. Um, and if you're if you're playing, wing. if you're playing with Patrick Kane, just keep her stick on the exactly. ice. Exactly. Because... You know that that's who their left wing is. Their left wing is Ryan Hartman, who's a yeah. a lot like Artem Anisimov. Ask Artem Anisimov. He he's got forty some goals in the last two years because he learned. Hey, Kane's on the ice. I'm going to go to the front of the net and put my stick down, and that's yeah. how he got a lot of goals. And that—that's what I think you're going to see Ryan Hartman do. He's going to be a guy who's going to go to the front of the net and kind of get those pucks, whether Kane passes them off his stick and in, or he's getting <laughs> some deflections or some rebounds. I think you see a, a similar makeup to that line, even though there's two new names on it. Well, it, it should be exciting. It's Blackhawks Penguins Thursday, October 5th at 7:30 p.m. The defending champs. Uh, going to be hanging a banner, and, and I'm sure the Blackhawks will be either uh, on the bench watching, on the ice watching, or in the room watching. And um, well, that know, one, this one's of, in Chicago, Joe. This one's in this Chicago. This one's in Chicago. I know me. because I, me. I, I sold it is, the, uh, yes. I sold the family tickets for Thursday night, Joe. Oh put no! Them, put them on. No, that, that's what we do now for the most part. We sell those okay. a lot, <laughs> make up the money, pay for the playoff tickets. It's actually a pretty good system. Uh, put put them up on on StubHub Saturday night. Got an email forty five seconds later saying they sold. So that was <laughs> so they're going cool. fast. They're they're, they're 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 hot takes. But uh, just a little bit of news before we move on here. The the Marion Hosa ruling finally came down this morning. Yes. Um, the NHL is going to allow the Blackhawks to place them on long term injury reserve, which I don't think comes as much of a surprise. I don't think there was any other way out of this after the way Chris Pronger mm-hmm. was handled the last few years. Um, he's got so a legitimate now- condition. Sure, it's convenient timing. For both parties, but at the same time, there's yeah. there's nothing they can to, do. Now we get to hear uh, hockey fans across the nation complain about the Blackhawks. Oh, it's already happening, Joe. And our conglomerate, or yeah, whatever no, it is. That's fine. All right, what, Matt, what well, really get hockey fans complaining, though, is that after the trade deadline, when Marion Hosa comes off long-term, <laughs> yeah. it's inserted in that fresh, 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 ready to go. Oh, goodness. Well, hopefully uh, the Blackhawks are in a favorable position when they do get to that point if they can add Marion Hosa back to the roster. That was like Matt, five minutes um, he gave me, Joe. That was impressive. That was, that was good. No, we'll, we'll, we'll extend our hockey minute here uh, as the season rolls on and as the Blackhawks we'll, we'll, start. We'll call it five for fighting, huh? Five for five fighting. Five for fighting. We'll give, we we'll might give, have we'll give to, me five in the box. We might have to put that on the list of copyright infringement that we're going to be approached about, but uh, I like eh. it. Five for fighting. They haven't um, put out a new song in years. Matt, it's, uh, <laughs> it, I think it's, it's safe to say that... Um, We've come into a full fade muso time of the year. I am empty on my locks of the week. Last week, I picked oh God, USC Joe. as my lock of the week. I thought that, um, you know, despite the Friday night start being on the road, they'd be able to go and take care of Wazoo. Not the case. They did not. And uh, I am now 0 for 3 or 4. I don't know who's counting. Um, we did take the week off, so I think I'm 0 for 3 on lots of the week. 
Matt, your lock came through. You took uh, I had Georgia minus seven at Tennessee, and that, that, that came was through about in a as major safe way. as it gets. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Matt, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take it from the top here and oh, uh, give us that your seems lock like the week. easy way out, Joe. In, uh, in 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 it doesn't have to be an NCAA line, but give me your lock of the week here. Oh man, um, I've been I've been bouncing back and forth here between a couple. I was looking at the pro lines as well. Part of me wants to go with Notre Dame minus 15, but that's a lot of I, points. You know, I um, like that too, so you should probably steer clear of that. That's fair. I'm going to go I, – I, Louisville's getting four at NC State. I know NC State just came off beating Florida State a few weeks ago there, but Florida State's not all that good, I think, what we're finding out is. They just barely beat Wake Forest last week. Louisville's got one of the best players, probably the best talent in the country. Uh, so I will go with Louisville on the road at NC State minus four. Minus four. I like the pick. I'm two all and right. one, by the way. I don't know if you You're know. two and one. Yeah. That's fine. No, I thought you were one and two. Uh, that's not true. Whatever. Um, all right. My pick of the week, and again, fade it if you like, but uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a position now where you know I feel like I can't pick a winner. So I'm, I'm going to the well, I'm going to the sure thing, and I'm going to bet Clemson every week from here on out. It's Clemson laying 21 and a half against Wake Forest at home. It's a noon start. I think it's safe. You know, I don't know much about Wake Forest, but I know that Clemson is the real deal. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll touch upon it later in the podcast, but I think that we're looking at a collision course once again between Clemson and Alabama. Clemson's been blowing some teams out. If you want to make me feel safe, by the half point, it's Clemson minus 21 and a half at home against Wake Forest. Okay, so we got Louisville minus four and Wake Forest plus 21 and a half. Yes, that's take, okay. take Wake got Forest. It. Got it. Uh, getting 21 and a half yeah. uh, in Death Valley. I will, I will empty the account on that one. Lock it up, man. Um, but uh, lines aside, another great week of college football. The Irish coming through with another uh, convincing win. I, I know Miami of Ohio, but they did what you're supposed to do against Miami of Ohio. Uh, Nebraska exercising some of their demons against the lesser team in Illinois. And um, so, some other big games across the country. What caught your eye uh, in the college ranks this week, Matt? You know, I've, I've obviously watched Notre Dame. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I don't think that's uh, much of a a secret anymore. Uh, watched mm-hmm. a bunch of them. I was I was really impressed with their offense again. The the running game was explosive like it has been every week. But the the game that actually caught my eye itself was Oklahoma State Texas Tech. Okay, I'm not sure if you, you caught much of that game at night. I did not. How busy you were, but that was about as fun of a college football game as I've watched this year. Just kind of back and forth. Oklahoma State gave Texas Tech opportunity after opportunity to kind of cash in. Texas Tech almost came back and won, tied it up late, but Oklahoma State ended up going down and, and getting the win. But Mason Rudolph, again, had a, a huge night, and I know he took a little bit of a, a hit in his Heisman campaign with that TCU loss, but I think he had five touchdowns or so, uh, two on the ground, three through the air, and those teams just kind of went back and forth. It was your typical late-night late, late night Big 12 shootout without much mm-hmm. defense being played. And, uh, and Cliff Kingsbury's guys, the, the, the Red Raiders there, didn't really back down. They're down two scores at one point, scored, went for the onside kick, recovered it early in the fourth quarter. It was just, it was a football game that had just about everything. So that was my, that, that was, that was my highlight of the, uh, the college football weekend. Yeah, the college product has been pretty good this year. I have to say, you have your, um, you have your perennial powerhouses winning. You have some upsets. You have big name guys and stars like we may have not seen in years in Saquon Barkley and, uh, I think that he's really taken over the conversation where we thought it was going to be kind of the quarterback year, the the Josh Rosen, um, and uh, um, why am I blanking right now on uh, Baker Mayfield? 
Baker Mayfield, just your your quarterbacks. Sam were Darnold. Gonna, Sam Darnold. Yes, thank you. you they were going to they were going to dominate the conversation. It's early, Matt. Um, they were going to dominate the conversation, and this has really become the Saquon Barkley show. And it's I know we said it last week, but appointment television. He continues to dazzle. Starts off the game with a kick return last week, and uh, it's almost a what's he going to do this week? And now coming down the stretch, he is going to face. Some some bigger teams, some bigger defense. I know he gets Michigan in a couple weeks. Uh, I think they get um, uh, they get Northwestern this week, so yeah. it's going to be a tough one for the Cats. And um, but, okay. but Saquon, Saquon Barkley has really been uh, surprising. You said it, and uh, uh, before the pod, you never bet against Mike Leach. How about that? That was that was something. And I know it kind of uh, it it broke my not didn't break my bank, but um, it, it it didn't, didn't help it. It added another loss to my lock of the week pick, but uh, an awesome game, uh, and that uh, that made me think of um, you know that shovel pass they ran in the fourth quarter. Why is the shovel pass not utilized more often? It's almost like put in the league of the naked bootleg, where like there's something there's something cavalier about it, and we don't run it for some reason. I, it's just because it's one of those things where if you run it too often, maybe it's not run often enough still, but if you run it too often. Teams can start keying in on it a little bit easier. It's one of those plays that only works when you run it every so often. You got to hit it yeah, but perfectly every time. You can also implement it and run it as like a read option where you got that guy coming under. If the if your defensive end collapses, it's a keep. If he comes up field, it's a it's a pitch. You know, it's it's a super easy wrinkle. I think that a lot of teams can put in to keep defenses on their heels at this point. But I get what you're I, saying. I think about it overusing is. I, it. I'm with you, but at the same time, that that pitch can be. A lot it's riskier a, than it looks sometimes. It's I, a I think forward there's, pass. There's a, Keep it low. <laughs> I, think, I guess you're right, but any anything can happen. It can hit off an yeah. arm and bounce up. It can hit off a helmet of a guy in the ground. You never really know. And I think just that's a that's a risky that, that there's, that's a risky option to have a risky read option. But I, yeah. Mike Leach's uh, Mike Leach's guys ran it pretty perfectly, and that's why they beat USC. Not too many top twenty five matchups on the billing this week. Uh, Number 21, Notre Dame goes to North Carolina. As we said, Penn State gets Northwestern. I think Michigan-Michigan State State. is this weekend. That should be a good one. Michigan-Michigan State. That's another one of those games that no matter how good each team is, it always seems to be a a nice, fun game to watch. Nice back and forth. You got Florida-LSU, which, I mean, 72 hours ago would have been extremely exciting. Uh, And then LSU goes and drops one to Troy. I thought Coach don't like it can there. I really did. loses a little bit of its luster. I thought he might not have been allowed, allowed back in the locker room. Yeah, um, another one to watch. Oregon State not not ranked. I mean, they're a one and four football team, but you got to see how USC responds after that loss. You got to think that they want to put one up in a conference matchup with Oregon State. Uh, Bama Texas Tech could be a good one. We don't know. I think it's another uh, opportunity for Bama to flex their muscles. And uh, as you said, Michigan Michigan State going to be a great one here in the Cornhusker State. It's number nine Wisconsin coming to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. Um, we were talking about this prior to the podcast. It's almost one of those ma- matchups where you throw out the records, you throw out um, a lot of it. It's a rivalry that always finds a way to be interesting in the fourth quarter. Hopefully that can be the case again this year for the Huskers because they are, uh, you know, they took a step in the right direction against Illinois last week, but still ailing a bit trying to get things right. I think this is a game where it, it could be a big confidence boost if you can find a way to take down Wisconsin. The last two matchups have been decided on the final uh uh, play of the game last year in overtime. The year before that, it was a field goal. Um, the Huskers on the wrong side of both of those matchups, but 
The Huskers 7-0 and in their last seven night games. It's going to be a night game here at Memorial Stadium. Should be a great one for all Big Ten fans and for all football fans across the nation. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that one. I uh, I need Wisconsin to come out with a win there, though, Joe. I, they're, they're, they're still hanging alive in my, uh, my final four pick. It's no skin off my back. I always tell people when they ask me, you know, do I root for Nebraska? You know, I have to be... A, an unbiased third party, and it's easy for me to do that because I had no prior connection to Nebraska, but my job is much more enjoyable when they're winning. You know, there's a, there's a lighter air around Memorial Stadium and all of the, uh, the football operations when you're winning football games. So that's the only reason that I, I tend to lean towards the Big Red. Oh, and certainly, is, is, even though you're in the media and you are supposed to keep that neutral, uh, you know, affiliation Stance, I, I, yeah. I think it's it's hard to not develop relationships with guys coaches players Absolutely. whatever that you're around every day talking to it's hard to not well you might not not necessarily be actively rooting for nebraska to win a game it's hard yeah. to not you know root for a guy who you just interviewed last week who was yeah. a guy you to have, go out and have you know have a nice game when you have those relationships it's uh it, like you said it's a lot more um makes it makes it a lot easier for you yeah. to pull for the guys and uh they give better interviews when they win, too. So that's, oh, that's, the, <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part of it. Matt, uh, you got anything this week to air out, or I think we're going to go a different direction with it? Well, we, we, can, we can still hit the music, and then we'll go with it. How about that? Okay. Sounds good. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now... You're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, we uh, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but uh, I think we've maybe done this once or twice on a podcast before, but with all that's been going on, uh, with the the mass shooting in Las Vegas, the hurricanes going around the different parts of the uh, the, the South and, and Puerto Rico and all that, just doesn't seem like a very valid time to to air a, a grievance on sports. Um, yeah, my, my the Bears are terrible right now. The White Sox are, are, are not much better, and there there are some certain things that we can't complain about in the sporting world. But with how uh, how good we have things here and, and how lucky. Uh, I think both of us have been in our lives blessed uh, to to certain extents. I think it's it's not necessarily right to uh, to air a grievance this week. I agree with you, Matt. And um, with that being said, our deepest condolences, our deepest thoughts, and our deepest prayers with uh, everyone affected in all of these tragedies. Um, it, it's it's a it's a time where you know you you need those around you. You need your loved ones, and like you said, we're lucky to be surrounded by so many great people. So uh, just keep keep all those in Vegas and in Puerto Rico and in all of these other places in Houston and everyone else affected by all of these tragedies over the last uh, month or so. Keep them in your thoughts, keep them in your prayers, and help out any way you uh, can deem possible. So uh, well done this week with your grievance, Matt. Thanks, Joe. Let's, uh, let's go to buy or sell. Let's do it. I want um, to start us off. All right, Matt. Buy or sell bulls. Over 21 and a half wins. The lines came out last week. Vegas with a, uh, a reality check here for Chicago basketball fans. 21 and a half is the line. Buy or sell. Bulls go over. Yeah, I'm going to buy it simply because I just I think the East is so bad. And I know the Bulls are part of that so bad. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. The Bulls are part of that. But that there's just, after Cleveland and Boston, there is just nobody. Yeah, I mean everybody. Toronto's okay, sure, but the Bulls can probably steal a game or something from that. I mean, there's, yeah, I think there's going to be like at least five wins on accident. Yeah, like that. That's what's <laughs> going to happen with how bad the East is. I think they're going to 
win a few games here and there that they probably shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And I still think there's some somewhat talent on that team, I guess. Um, but I just I don't think the the conference is good enough to warrant them being under twenty one. If they go under twenty one and a half, I think that's better for the team, and I won't necessarily be upset, and I won't be that shocked. But I think they find a way to win, you know, 23, 24 games. Whose team is this? Is this Zach Levine's team? Um, it is Doug Collins's team. Doug Collins's team. Okay. <laughs> um, twenty one and a half. I think that's just about spot on, but I'll lean over with you as well, Matt. All right, let's uh, let's go. Let's move on here. Buyer sell, Joe. Rick Pitino has coached his last game in basketball. Um, I'm going to buy that because of his age, because of his severance package, because of the uh, weight that comes with his name. And I'm not talking about clout. I'm not talking about good weight. I'm talking about you know filth a little bit. And yeah. I've always been a Pitino fan, and it always. It always seemed like it was going to end this way with, with just oh, the mount, somehow, yeah. scandal mounting after scandal mounting after scandal. I thought it was going to end with a scandal, and it kind of uh, it kind of flopped here. There wasn't like a it was just kind of a conglomeration of everything that had happened in the past, and Louisville trying to get out ahead of something is what it, what it seemed like. A shame because he did affect so many young men's lives in a positive manner, and you saw guys come out, you saw Silva's come out, you saw some other guys come out and talk about just the positive effect that that this man had on their lives. And that's any big time coach, you know, has had, they might've done some shady things to get there, but they've had positive effects on young people's lives. And, and I think that's what we lose in college sports because it has become such big business. Patino, you know, he's had those positive effects and it's been great, but I think that uh, he's got some PR people around him right now telling him, uh, you know, go on vacation for a while coach. And I think that vacation will, will lead into a retirement. Is this the last time we've seen him around the game of basketball? No. This, this, that's what makes this man's heartbeat, and you see that a lot of times in, in older coaches, that when they get away from the game, the aging process definitely kicks up, and I think that uh, Patino will find ways to get around the game of basketball, but I think he is done coaching. I, I think I agree with you, but stranger things have happened, and you know, smaller programs have, have come with, with bigger checks to get a guy like that yeah. in there. There's always so people it, looking it, for it is, a higher a I splash. Mean, Larry Brown is, is coaching at SMU right now. Yeah. Uh, so I, it, it wouldn't be a shock to me. I tend to think you're right. He is a little bit older as well, and you know, I, he might still have some, some sanctions and, and legal issues to answer for, too, so I don't know how much that's mm-hmm. going to factor in. So this, this whole thing is, has been just I, I still haven't wrapped my head around all the, the assistant coaches and money and all this stuff tied up. And FBI and yeah. it's, it's some stuff I need to do a lot more reading on once everything comes out. But I, I think I'm with you, but it wouldn't surprise me, like you said, to see him back around the game in some capacity if he's cleared of all you know allegations. Yeah. It's, that's a, it's, a, it's a man who knows how to wash his hands, so I think we will see him again. That's fair. Um, Matt, buy or sell All Hallows Eve, Halloween. Uh, we're starting to see it everywhere in stores. Uh, you got your your pumpkins out in front of the grocery store. It, it, you got your your freaks I, walking around the street just, dressed up already. Buy or sell Halloween. I mean, I, the holiday. I don't really, you know, it's whatever. Um, Dia de los Muertos. Yeah, it's, that's Spanish for Day of the Dead. Um, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> I, I don't. It's fine. It's kind of. I, I think you can tell. I don't really care that much about. It. I like the candy. 
Uh, okay. That's pretty nice. I like the boilock uh, candy. I, I'm a fan of the pumpkin flavor, but that lasts through Thanksgiving, so that doesn't really necessarily have to be. I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll buy it for uh, you'll you buy know, it Halloween. The, the, the kids seem to Strictly like it. Strictly for the pie. The kids seem to like it. Okay. I'll buy it. It's for the kids, Joe. So I'll buy it. I got it. I'll buy it for I'm selling Halloween. I've always been easily scared. So oh, so in that in that capacity, absolutely. <laughs> I think we've had this talk before about horror yeah, movies. Yeah, about and all it. That stuff. We were like, talking about it. People but, uh, like going to you know haunted houses and, and uh, all this stuff and watching scary movies. Get out of here. I do enjoy Get pumpkin carving. I enjoy pumpkin carving, but pumpkin flavor has never done it for me. I don't like pumpkin scented candles. I don't like any of that. Like uh, pump, pumpkin pie is is a throwaway pie. Oh, pumpkin pie! And I don't want to get I don't want to get too wild up debate, here. We're not going to debate pies, but pumpkin soft pies, pies are, are a bugaboo of mine. So I, I'm a throwaway on the pumpkin pie. Selling Halloween. We'll agree to disagree on that part. But I think we're, let's we're, just you know I'm just fast forward, forward to an extended. I'm also, I'm also going to sell how I'll buy the holiday for the kids, but everything okay. else will sell. You're okay. a man of the people, Matt. I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's for the kids. <laughs> All right, hit me. All right, Joe, we, you, you touched on in our college football talk here. Buy or sell, we are on a collision course for Bama-Clemson Part 3 in the national championship. Couldn't buy it any harder. I think they're on a completely different playing field. I think they're on a completely different level, and they've shown it week after week against lesser opponents, against ranked opponents. Um, both of these ball clubs look like they're poised to do it again, and I think that's a product of recruiting. I think that's a product of coaching, and I think that's a product of guys buying in. Dabo and Nick Saban. I think there's three coaches right now who have complete buy-in from all hundred, give or take a few men on the roster. That's Dabo Sweeney, that's Nick Saban, and that's Urban Meyer. And those are the three names in coaching that will go down in history. I think that a lot of, you know, unless you're a Notre Dame fan, you're not really 25 years from now going to remember Brian Kelly's impact at Notre Dame. I think that these are three guys that are having historic impacts at major schools on major campuses and it's going to be remembered for a long long time and we're in the thick of it so i think we really need to enjoy it i think bye on uh, on on bama clemson part three these are two outstandingly coached football teams with top tier talent and it's going to be exciting and it's going to be an enjoyable and i don't know because i started positioning it against um warriors calves part four that we're probably going to see and why, why am I not looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to this? I, I, I don't have an answer for that, but it's just something that kind of had my, my wheels turning in that vein. No, I, I'm, I'm with you a little bit. I'm also going to buy that. Um, if you look at Clemson's schedule, I don't think they face a ranked team the rest of the way unless NC State sneaks into there. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they got a pretty easy road up until the ACC championship. Alabama, I think really the only spot for a hang-up they have looks like it's going to be at Auburn which is always a tricky game, especially there in the Iron Bowl. But even there, if they run the table, I think they still uh, have a shot at winning that SEC division and they go to the SEC championship and beat Florida or whoever comes from the East by 30. Um, I'm going to buy it as well. Uh, I I think they're the two best teams in the country. And you kind of touched on all of it. I don't think I got any more to add to it other than that. I think you got two best teams, two best coaches. Um, I want to see it. Perfect. Um, I think that our, our wishes will be granted, and uh, we're going to end up seeing a good one between Bama and uh, and Clemson. Uh, gotta love the college football playoff. Hopefully, they you know expand it. Another conversation for another time. And I think that um, that really y- you even they're further validated in their skill and in their uh, you know abilities beyond everyone else when you do get into that playoff, and they still continue to win that semifinal game you'd think that there'd be a fluke loss somewhere in there but i think again we're, we're just going to see 
how far separated they are from the competition when you get to that playoff. Now, I, I did. I, I wanted to correct myself because I said Bam will go to the SEC championship game and play Florida and beat him by like a hundred or whatever it was. I'm, I'm going to correct that. I actually do think Georgia. I, I okay. should have. Yeah, Georgia has really emerged I, these last they were my weeks. lock of the week. Um, got it. <laughs> their, their front seven looks really good. That defense is flying around. They got two elite running backs. They're a team who, you know, in the SEC championship was a couple years ago, even where they were, you know, that play away from beating Bama. I mm-hmm. don't think they're going to beat Bama, but they're probably the one team, I think, in that conference who, who has a shot in an SEC championship game to actually give Bama a run. Doesn't mean Bama will be kept out of the playoff, but I think that's a team who might be able to, to shake things up in that SEC just a little bit. Sounds good. Matt, let's keep this thing trucking. Let's do it. Uh, we, we got a mailbag question? We do. This one, uh, this one comes from our buddy Brian Rooney. Uh, okay. No relation. <laughs> Still no um, relation. Joe, one rule in sports you can change. You know, What's I'm, it going to be? I'm still kind of uh, torn between a couple here, so I'm going to let you, you lead us off, Matt. Okay, I'm going to go with – this was uh, – I, I came up with this a little bit earlier in the year back when I think it was the Cubs had just played an 18-inning game on Sunday Night Baseball against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm going to go with – tying baseball games after 11 or 11 or 12 innings or so in the regular season obviously calling for a tie in the playoffs you play as long as as long as you know time requires whatever but i i do think whether there's a tie or a way to figure it out without having to drain or empty a, a bullpen or a pitching staff with with pitchers arms seeming to you know fall apart uh, a lot more frequently than they have in the past uh, with, mm-hmm. with the management of arms trying to keep those guys healthy long term with Tommy John now seeming to be you know when not if uh, type of thing I, I do think that saving those guys arms and, and not going so deep into bullpens without absolutely having to um, I, I think it, it it's good for the long term health of the game for the long term health of the players for the season for the next couple of weeks because if you if you use all your arms in the bullpen, and each throws two innings, whatever, you go 18 innings, your bullpen's drained for the next three, four days. And if you yeah, have a but, starter who can't figure it out one day, then you're kind of screwed and you're throwing tired arms out there and risking injury. So I yeah, don't think it's just the, for I, – I don't get me wrong. the reality of baseball for over 100 years. You know, that's just – that's baseball. You, you, you play it until someone wins or loses. If you want ties, you could take your little pansy butt over – to England, and you can watch some of the other that other football, some of that soccer. You can watch yourself some soccer, Matt. Okay, well, you can make. You, fun. Watch you, can, you, can, you can use the. You, you won't go watch Premier League. I actually Premier League's not that bad I to love watch. Premier actually, Premier League on NBC. But no, but the, the excuse of well, we did this a hundred years ago doesn't really valid. It, it's not really valid anymore. Joe, a hundred years know, ago they played football without helmets. It, let's put it into a real situation. hundred like, years ago, they I had was three like, starting pitchers in a rotation and they pitched every third day and went nine innings and there wasn't a when bullpen. men were men. Oh God. Now what if I call, what if I shoot you a text? Cause like I was out of town or something like, Hey Matt, couldn't find it. Like didn't have any, uh, didn't have any cell service, this or that. And I just get a hold of you. And I ask you what the socks did. They tied. Would you feel comfortable, comfortable telling me they tied? Yes. I wouldn't feel comfortable having you tell me that, Matt. Okay, well, that's that seems like a you problem, not necessarily a problem for the sport. <laughs> so that's your rule change. Moose yeah, and I, Runes listeners, get at us on Twitter, at Moose and Runes. Tell Matt if you like the rule change, if you hate the rule change, if you hate Matt. Like, any anything you want to say, get at us, at Moose and Runes, because I feel like this is one that might kick up a little ire from the listeners. Well, that's not very nice. Uh, and I'm just trying to drive clicks here, Matt. I don't, hate any, I don't Let hate me drive any of the clicks. listeners. They shouldn't hate right. me. Let me drive clicks. I just, I, um, my rule is a strong word. My rule, but I really, really, really don't like you. 
That's better. Plain white, plain white tees. Um, my rule change, Matt. Um, it's a little bit more in the minutia of the game, but also a baseball rule. It just was recently changed. I want it changed back. The neighborhood rule at second base, I think, again, for injury reason, you're putting a lot of guys in bad positions. We've seen it affect ball games a couple times. And, uh, you know, again, that was – that just – I feel like we saw a lot more smooth double plays being turned. Yeah. We saw a lot more swagger around second base. And it allowed guys to come into second base a little bit harder because they knew – that a guy had the option to get out of the way and still have the out. Now it's almost, there's a tentativeness around second base by both the base runner and the fielders. I think that they need to reincorporate the, the neighborhood rule. No, I, I don't disagree. And I think in the same vein, the, the Buster Posey rule at home plate uh, yes. might be something Give me collisions. Looked at. not even the collisions, but like when I'm rounding third and, you know, I'm trying to tie the game in the ninth inning, I shouldn't have to think of how I'm no. going to slide around the catcher. In order I got to be able to do game. whatever I got to do to get yeah, to I, home plate. I got to tie it in. Quite honestly, the catcher is the one who's got the helmet on. He's got the chest protector. He can take it off if he wants to. But he doesn't have to. He's the mm-hmm. one who's braced ready for impact. If I want to go run into him without pads and my helmet's flown off, that's that's kind of my prerogative. Um, and, I, and I just I think that's I, I think it really affects the game in a, in a negative way. I know Buster Posey got hurt that one year. He you know, hurt his leg pretty bad, but he's back and he's fine. Injuries happen in the game. And I think that's one that really just affects outcomes of games a little bit too much in, in bringing the thinking into it a little bit more than, than it yeah. should. I, I agree with you there, Matt. Um, all right, well, thank you to all of the Moose and Runes listeners. This episode 23 of the Moose and Runes podcast, I believe, yeah. the Jordan episode, if you will. We could, uh, we could, I guess we should have labeled it as that prior to the podcast, but uh, nonetheless, episode we'll 23... Post. Episode 23 in the books. Thank you, as always, for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Like us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter. Do whatever you got to do. Keep getting in touch with us. We love your questions. Thank you for the mailbag question this week from Brian Rooney. A great one. A thought-provoking mailbag question. Uh, We love that stuff from you guys, and we love our listeners. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Matt, you got anything for the people before I shut us down? I do. Just a quick shout-out to to our alma mater, the Illinois Wesleyan Titans. Absolutely. Huge win on the road at Wheaton. I, uh, I didn't see most of the game, but I tuned in online for that final drive. Um, that was, that was a lot of fun to watch them go down. I, they almost lost there that, that the, uh, at the end it was third down. They had no timeouts. I think it was on like the 10, 11 mm-hmm. seconds left. And, uh, Brandon well, Bauer, fade, took, Brandon well, Bauer, the first Brandon Bauer took a sack, but, oh, okay. uh, but Wheaton, Wheaton called a timeout just before the play started. Titans Perfect. got a do over and, uh, and did and not Norm, see that Norm, Norm didn't miss Joe. Norm took Love his that. shot. He didn't miss. And the, the Titans came up with a big one. First time at Wheaton since 96. And now it, uh, you know, they control their own destiny. Should uh, should control their way to the playoffs. So that's uh, two wins over top ten teams this season. Top over five, top five think, yeah. teams this season for the Titans, making all of us in Titanland very very proud. Keep it up to the Fighting Titans of Illinois Wesley and Matt. That's going to do it for episode twenty three. I'm going to shut us down. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, uh, it was a, a tough Monday, needless to say, um, with with the horror that happened in Las Vegas and uh, and everything else going on in the world. But we also did lose one of the greatest artists, songwriters of the last of all time, uh, in Tom Petty passing away. Um, just wanted to give a shout here to all of the listeners, to all of the fans. Um, 
he was on a stage performing just a week ago. And uh, to anyone who loves his music, listened to his music, saw him perform live, he meant a lot to a lot of people. And I think that uh, Tom Petty will forever be remembered uh, for his art, for his music, for everything that he did uh, for his fans. And uh, just just a sad time. And uh, he will always be remembered fondly. fondly. So. Uh, Resting easy and best wishes to uh, everyone affected and uh, everyone who had any love for Tom Petty. That's going to do it for this episode of the Moose and Roots podcast, episode 23. Get at us on all of our social media. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. We will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful week, listeners. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome.